It feels like, I, I know you, you saw me last, but it feels like I've been gone a long time, so I've had a busy week. But I want to tell you this, um, you know, the, while Pastor Ron and I were away praying, he kept, the Holy Ghost kept saying through me, tell him who I am, tell him who Jesus is, and tell him what he's done. And um, we're endeavoring to remind you of who Jesus should be to you. It's not enough for it to be in a book, the Bible, the living word of God. It's, it's more than a Bible. It's the living word of God to you. But you've got to get it up off the pages into your heart. And the way you get it off the pages into your heart is through your mouth. And knowing, uh, you know, the Bible says my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. So you don't want, and a lot of people are doing this today. They're trying to tell you who Jesus is. But you, you, you can find out who he is for yourself. I'm here to remind you. But until who he is that we talk about is a revelation to you, he can't be that to you. And so today we're going to talk about Jesus is our good shepherd. Jesus, everybody say, Jesus is my shepherd. <clears throat> now in the body of Christ, he's placed under shepherds, but Jesus is the chief shepherd. And so I want to remind you of Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19. And Jesus came from the coast of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, who do you say that I am? Turn to your neighbor and say, who do you say he is? Because that's the most important thing. Remember I told you, and I'm going to tell you again. Um, we see three generations, Paul talking to Timothy. He said, you know, there was an unfeigned. That word unfeigned means a real deal faith. There was a real deal faith in your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, and now I find it in you. So this should be, our faith should pass from generation to generation. We should never lose a generation. I refuse to lose this one. On, while we're here, you, we should, not just our own children, but we should never lose a generation. And that's about to happen if we don't do something about it. We're going to yell at them. We're going to scream at them. No, we're going to preach the truth. We're going to show them who the Lord is so they'll be drawn to him. Amen. And so he said, I found that unfeigned faith first in your grandma, Lois, your mama, Eunice, and also in you. So yes, it should be passed from generation to generation. But what did Lois do? She had to make sure that Eunice had a real live, living relationship with the Lord for herself. Or Eunice was not going to be able to pass it on to Timothy. Um, Jesus had to be more than uh, Lois's uh, Lord. She had to, uh, he had to be uh, uh, Eunice's Lord. And then he had to become Timothy's Lord. It's not enough, you know, this is not just automatically passed down. It's a revelation. And so this is important. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? Uh, there's a lot of people think that, you know, and, and even different people pull different scriptures out of context. But you've got to know him for who the word of God says. Y'all right? Everybody here? Verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Where did he get that? And Jesus answered said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not done what? Revealed. So revelation knowledge is the most important thing. 
My people perish for lack of knowledge, but you need revelation knowledge. We're supposed to make disciples, but they're also supposed to understand who he is. This word is a person. This word, Jesus is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. This word should be tra- can be taken back to the mouth of the one who said it. Flesh and blood didn't reveal it, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and on this revelation, this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so you got to have revelation, or the gates of hell will come in and take knowledge. It's not enough just to have it in mental. You've got to have revelation knowledge. Faith is of the heart. Revelation is of the heart. And who is he to you? Who is Jesus to you? So I want to talk to you about him being the good shepherd. So turn with me to John's gospel. Hallelujah. Glory to God. John's gospel. Everybody say, Jesus is my shepherd. So in John chapter 10, in verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. Notice he's not just a shepherd. He's the good shepherd. I am a good, the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Are you grateful that Jesus gave his life for us? Reminds me of King David in the Old Testament. He was a shepherd and he was a man after God's own heart. He was a shepherd and he was a man after God's own heart. He was a shepherd and he was a man after God's own heart. What was that? He was a protector. And later that shepherd's anointing got turned into a kingly anointing. And that kingly anointing protected the people first from Goliath and then all the armies that would ever come against Israel. So being a a pastor, being a shepherd is first a protector. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So when David went after the lion and the bear, he was really giving his life for the little lamb that most people would say, eh, it's just one. Everybody's got to eat. But he didn't say that. Amen. He protected them. And that's why the Lord told the, the, the under shepherd that when one goes away, leave the 99 and go after the one. The one is most important to the Lord. And the one you know that's not currently serving God is important to the Lord. And if any of you were ever backslidden like I was, I look back on my life and I realize I was important to the Lord. He wasn't willing to lose me. He kept sending people across my path to bring me home. Thank you, Lord. Now, I don't know if you grew up with this, but it is a wrong picture. I've seen Jesus carrying a little lamb with a broken leg. And I've heard pastors say, well, sometimes the Lord will break your leg so he can get you back into the kingdom. But that's just a bunch of baloney. Uh, That's just, I don't know where they, I've tried to look and see where do they find that. You can't find that. The Lord's not, he doesn't have any breaking leg apparatuses so that he can carry you back into the kingdom. He's not causing bad things to happen to you. Jesus is the good shepherd. Amen. Aren't you glad he knows how to take care of his sheep? Verse 14, he said again, I am the good shepherd. I'm a good shepherd. I'm a good shepherd. You know, if you uh, were, run, you know, uh, we don't have it around here too much, but if you had, uh, you know, some different sheep folds and you went to go inspect uh, a shepherd and his sheep, you know, if you saw one bunch of sheep, you know, a hundred of them and they, their, their wool was all matted 
and they were, you know, they were, they were not happy. They were, you know, you could just tell they weren't, their, their, their wool was all messed up and they was dirty and, and hungry and all that kind of stuff. You wouldn't say, ooh, what a good shepherd. But if you go over here and you look at the other shepherd uh, and his, his little lambs are all leaping up and down, you know, and happy and their, their, their wool is all, ooh, just all looking so good and, and they're happy with one another. The others are acting like goats and, and you know, they, they don't, you know, they're, they're, they're messing with, you wouldn't say, okay, uh, the, the sheep are a reflection of the shepherd. And so I'm telling you, the Lord wants to take good care of you. And he'll protect you and he'll watch over. Everybody say, the Lord is a good shepherd. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25, where we all were sheep going astray. Notice he calls you a sheep. For you were all sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. Hebrews 13, 20. Hebrews 13, 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. So my point is to you, Jesus is the good shepherd. And everything that goes along with him being a good shepherd, that's what he wants to be to you. And so we're going to look at what that means for you in the hour that we live in. I already mentioned it, but number one, it means he's going to protect you. You are in his sheepfold. He's a good shepherd. He's going to watch out for you. He's not going to let a lion. He's not going to let a bear. He's not going to let a wolf. He's not going to let anything. If you'll let him be your shepherd, if you'll let him watch over you, then he will watch over you. So much so, the Bible says that if you fear and honor the Lord, he'll even camp angels round about you to protect you. The Lord wants to protect you right now. One of his names is Jehovah Ra, and that is the Lord, my shepherd. He is a shepherd to you, and he's a good shepherd. Now, when he was on the earth, the Bible says this about him, knowing that he was a good shepherd, he always found where it was written about him, who he was supposed to be. And so in, in, in Matthew's gospel, chapter 9, verse 36, what does a good shepherd do? What does he see? How does he act? What is he doing right now? Jesus today is your good shepherd. Jesus today is shepherding you as his sheep. He cares about you. He's watching over you. He's protecting you. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when we saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion on them. What is compassion? He saw this great multitude, and he was moved with compassion. He didn't have pity. He didn't feel sorry for them. He had compassion. Pity and sorrow are worldly things because you look at someone, they're in a mess, and you don't do anything about it. You just say, oh, how bad for them. Or, wow, somebody needs to help them. Wow, they're living a tough life. But that's not what the Lord did. He was moved with compassion. Compassion is the desire to give aid and show mercy. He was moved with compassion. In other words, he did something. Why did he do so? Why did he go to the cross? Why did he go to hell? Why was he raised from the dead? Because he's a shepherd at heart and he needed to do something to fix the human problem. 
He wanted to protect them. He wanted to heal us. He wanted to watch over us. He wanted to save us. He wanted to bring us back into the sheepfold. And so he was moved with compassion. Why? Because they fainted. What does it mean to faint? So everybody who is not born again, and I'll say it this way, everybody who's not in church, everybody who is out doing their own thing, they're outside of the plan of God right now. It's just this plan. The Bible didn't say as you see the day approaching, y'all do whatever you want to do. He said, as they see the day approaching, we're living in the last of the last days. We're so supposed to gather. There's something that the devil knows about when the saints gather. There's something about the corporate anointing. There's something about gathering together that's always been the plan of God. And if the devil can mess that up, then he's going to do everything in his power to mess that up. Now, I'm not talking about guilt and condemnation about, you know, I'm not talking about every time the door is open that you are supposed to be there and you have to do it or, you know, or something bad's going to happen to you. You know, hopefully you know me well enough to know I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, though, when you can and when you're supposed to, you need to gather because you're supposed to be part of the sheep. If you don't think, well, I don't need them. Well, we need you. The Bible says every joint supplies. And it is the will of God that we gather together as the day approaches. Why? Because outside, you're going to faint. What does it mean? Have you ever fainted? I think I have twice in my life. It is a weird feeling. I did it once in healing school. <laughs> that was a really... <laughs> I remember it well. I feel like I'm going to faint. Opal said, no, you're not in Jesus' name, and then I fainted. Hallelujah. <laughs> and the other one was, I got a te- I was young. I was a manager at McDonald's. I had, um, at the, our, my mom and dad's barn, I had gotten a rusty nail in my foot. And I was at work, and um, I don't know, I wasn't feeling real good. And I decided I better go get a tetanus shot because it was really rusty. And being a boy, eh, it's just a nail. It's just rust. And I think the people there talked me into lest I'd get locked jaw or die. I don't know what it was. So I went, and I remember because I had to get back to work because I'm tough. And I remember after I got my tetanus shot, I jumped off the table and that's the last I remember. <laughs> then I remember, <laughs> I woke up laid out on a gurney. <laughs> so anyway, but fainting, what is it you do? You lose your power. You're just gone. Spiritually, those that are outside, that's what they're doing. They have no control. They're out of control just out of control. And they are. Spiritually, it'd be called fainting. But you and I are not called to faint. We're strong in the Lord and the power is mine. Because they fainted. They were scattered. The devil loves to scatter. The devil loves to scatter. Anytime you see a scattering, this is definitely not of the Lord. The Lord sends people out into the world to minister, but he doesn't scatter scattering is caused by the enemy. Anytime anybody tries to scatter uh, people in, to pull people apart, they are used of the enemy. They are a wolf. Because what is a wolf? What is a lion? What does a bear do? It scatters the sheep. So we don't want to be, we don't want to be around those kind of people. Why? As a sheep, why? If you have no shepherd. Because if I'm a sheep, really, uh, he uses sheep because the sheep is an animal that has no natural defenses. They have to be, we're going to look at it later, but they have to be led to pasture. 
They have to be led to still water. They don't drink out of rivers. They only drink out of ponds. They don't drink out of rivers. They're scared of running water. They only drink out of ponds. Um, they have to be led. One of the cool things is, and I've heard this, I've never seen it. They, I think there's videos of it, but you can go to some places where they still shepherd and they bring all their sheep together and they let them all eat together. But at the end of the day, the shepherd, all he does is begin to call and the sheep begin to automatically divide themselves and follow their good shepherd back to the home. Amen. I'll just throw this in here just cause I am one. Listen, God didn't promise you an apostle. He didn't promise you a pastor. I mean, he, didn't pro he did promise you a pastor. He didn't promise you an apostle. He didn't promise you a prophet. He didn't promise you an evangelist. He didn't promise you a teacher. But he did promise to give you a shepherd after his own heart, after his own heart, after his own heart, after his own heart, after his own heart. Amen. There's a lot of things in your life that are very important. Um, number one might be where you, who you call your shepherd, because that's who speaks into your life. I mean, I believe it's equally important as who you marry. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. All right. Y'all good? Hallelujah. I don't know. Y'all not as stirred up as I am this morning. That's all right. I'll get you here in a minute. Mark chapter six, verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people. And he was moved with compassion. So one of the things we should be right now is when we see people scattered, when we see people not in church, when we people see people lost, when we see people undone, we should be moved with compassion. Everybody say, I am moved with the same compassion that Jesus was moved with. Why? Because they were sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. So it is important to Jesus that people not be scattered. It's important to him that we leave the 99 and go after the one. It's important. So I'll tell you this, because it's hard for me to differentiate, because... When I had a revelation, when the Lord asked me to pastor, when I was in Bible school, I had no, back in 1990 when I graduated, everybody would tell me, you're going to make a great pastor one day. And this is really what I did. I rebuked every one of them in the name of Jesus. Because I really never wanted to pastor. I had no intention of pastoring. Um, I had a good plot plan. I was going to um, travel and itinerate throughout the United States. I was going to take missions teams over to other nations, especially Brazil. And then eventually I was going to start a Bible school in Brazil on the beach, drinking guadana, eating meat, and preaching the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. I had a great plan. I had a condo all picked out. I was on my way. I really thought it was the Lord. And then he interrupted me and, and basically told me I wasn't an evangelist. I wasn't an itinerant. He told me I was a pastor. I was very mad. I remember it well. I was in Evansville, Indiana when he did it. And then the next day confirmed it through my pastor. He said it this way. He said he came in the next day and he said, Brother Garver, every time he prophesied, he got real, he got real formal. Brother Garver. I mean, my name is Mark. Brother Garver. I remember it well. He said, the Lord told me to tell you, you're not an evangelist. You're a pastor. And I told him this. I was like, I know, but don't you tell anybody. <laughs> so I was mad. And then when the Lord sent me down here, now I wouldn't trade this in for anything. Because I have found my place in God. And I love doing what I do. I'm great. I love to watch people grow up. But I didn't know what it, because see, in school, I never planned on being a pastor. So I didn't study to be a pastor. So when he asked me to pastor, I'm like, 
I don't know how to, I don't know, I don't, what, what? I don't know how to pastor. I didn't prepare for this. And then I looked back at my life and everything he made me do. He asked me then, well, what don't you know how to do? And then I, and then I began to go back through everything he tricked me into doing. And I'm like, well, you're right. I do know how. And so that's how I started. But then when I came down here and started the church, uh, some of you don't know, I started right by Taco Bell and what's now Austin's Furniture. It's been redone on the side part. But I remember starting and thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. And so he took me and where I'm going to take you right now, because I'm going to take you to Ezekiel chapter 34. He said, this is a strange place, Ezekiel. Yeah, I want to show you what Ezekiel prophesied about the shepherds. And this is where the Lord taught me to be a shepherd. But if he wanted me to be this kind of shepherd, then he is this kind of shepherd. Are you with me? Are you with my thinking? If the Lord taught me and he's talking about the shepherds, he's the chief shepherd. And so he's not going to ask the under shepherds or any shepherd at all to do something that he is not the example of. And so Ezekiel prophesies about the shepherd. And so the word of the Lord came to me, verse 1, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy, saying to them, Thus says the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel that do, not, that do feed themselves, and they sh should, they not, should not the shepherds feed the flock. So number one, Jesus as your chief shepherd is going to feed you. What's he going to feed you? Spiritual food. What is that? He's going to give you a word in due season that will fresh you. Come on, he's going to give you some fresh grass. Fresh manna from heaven. The Lord told me not long ago is they don't need a new word. They just need fresh word. They don't need a new word. They need fresh word. In other words, you need to be led to fresh grass where the Lord can, uh, he knows what you need and he's going to feed you what you need from the word of God. He's going to reveal things that you need. So number one, he'll feed them. And it says to them, you did eat the fat and clothe yourself with wool. You killed them that are fed, but you did not feed the flock. So feeding the flock, feeding you right now. Listen, you need to listen very carefully to the Holy Ghost, the teacher, because Jesus, the great shepherd is trying to get you some truth that'll get you, not just get you through, but cause you to flourish in the time that you live in. It's not a surprise to your shepherd what's going on. In other words, he understands what's going in the valley of the shadow of death right now. And he knows how to lead you and guide you out of it. And he's going to feed you good food along the way. You ought to be growing right now. Number two, it says the disease you have not strengthened. And you have, not healed, you have not healed that which is sick. So a shepherd makes sure that healing comes. Aren't you glad that Jesus took your infirmities? He bare your sickness and disease. And by his stripes you are healed. That's part of him being a shepherd to you. Come on. He's going to fix you up. He's going to heal you. He's going to make sure you're well. Glory to God. Number three, bind up that which is broken. What did Jesus say about himself? I've come to heal the brokenhearted. He binds up that which is broken. Anything that got broken in your life, not just your broken bones, but your broken life. He is a mender. That's what a shepherd does. Neither have you brought back that which was driven away. So the Lord is always after the one. I'm so grateful when I was backslidden and away from God, when I didn't care nothing about God, I wasn't thinking about God. He was thinking about me. He was thinking about me. He was not willing that I go. Because I was his. I was one of his sheep. I just got hit with a stupid stick. And he guided me home. 
He brought people across my path. It is not God's will that any should perish, especially that which is his. So he's always going to go look for and bring back. And that's why he needs your help in that, because he wants you to help bring back that which has been driven away. It's hard for me, man. When someone tells me, you know, um, I, I, I just, I need a break or I'm done with God for right now. Whew, that's hard for me because I have to be careful with the Holy Ghost because I'll be like, well, that's just the stupidest thing I ever heard. Do you not know what you're opening yourself up to? You don't take a break from God. You take a break from God, you set the word go onto the devil So that's why the Lord's having us go after them. Neither have you sought that which was lost. So in other words, if something's lost or someone's never been born again, the shepherd goes after them. Remember he told Timothy, a pastor, he said, told him to do the the work of the evangelists. Every one of us in this room, we're called ministers of reconciliation with the word of reconciliation. So it's up. God wants us to bring back the lost and those that are driven away. And six, it says, with force and cruelty, you have ruled them. Listen, y'all, he even told the under-shepherds, he said, you're not a lord over God's heritage. What does that mean? You're not a dictator. Don't ever be a dictator. Don't ever be a dictator. So the Lord's not a dictator. He's not, he, he doesn't rule you with an iron fist. He brings you his love, his care, his compassion. He, uh, it's not hard to submit to someone who loved you first. It's not hard to submit to someone who loves you with an everlasting love. It's not hard to submit to someone uh, who loves first, who loves last, who love you through anything. He is good. Amen. And so that's, this is where the Lord taught me to pastor. But if the Lord requires this out of an under shepherd, how much more does he require of himself? So Jesus is a good shepherd. He wants to feed you. He wants to heal you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to bind up your broken heart. He, he, he goes after that which is lost. He goes after that which was once his that was been driven away. And he rules you with love and kindness. He is a good shepherd. I said he is a good shepherd. Hallelujah. Let's go back to... Um, yeah, let's go back to John's gospel. Now, Cornerstone Word of Life, I don't know if we had a scripture that we use all the time. Here it is, John 10, 10. I think around here, because so many people are religiously taught, um, and they're religiously taught wrongly about God, that sometimes he causes bad things or does bad things. And we just try to make it clear what Jesus said. He said, the thief comes, but to steal, kill, and destroy And I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I've come that you might have zoe, the God kind and quality of life, and have it in abundance until it overflows. But in context, this is talking, and we always pull that out, and we don't do do it wrong. But in context, it's talking about him being a shepherd. So in, in context, he's saying, I'm a shepherd that watches over you. And there's a thief coming. Whether he be the wolf, whether he be the lion, whether he be the bear. In this case, it be the devil. And I want you to know that I'm going to watch over you. And that thief may try to get into my pen, but I'm not going to let him in here. And I just want you to know that he may try to steal from you. He may try to kill you. He may try to destroy you. But I have come, your good shepherd, to protect you. And I've come to give you life and to the abundance until it overflows. Everybody shout overflow. 
Is that the kind of life that God has for you? Yes, it is. Is it the kind of life he wants you to walk in? Yes, it is. Now, we can't do this. You know, uh, Psalms 23, you can't really talk about Jesus being the shepherd without this psalm that prophesies forward about Jesus, the good shepherd. So everybody knows Psalms 23. Everybody knows that one, but everybody, let's look at it together. Psalms 23. Everybody say, the Lord is my shepherd. He's not just a shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. you got to take him as yours. Just like, remember, I told you, you know, I received Jesus as Savior, but I also, and I made him Lord, but I also at one time made him my healer. I received him as my healer. There was a time I received him as my provider. He, I receive him as the shepherd of my life. I give him full permission to lead me, to guide me, to protect me, to watch over me. I submit to him as a sheep. I submit to him the good shepherd over my soul. I on purpose, Jesus, you are Jehovah Ra, you are the Lord my shepherd. And as I submit to him as my shepherd, that, what does that mean? Well, that means he gets to tell me where to go. He gets to tell me where, what to eat. He gets to tell me where to drink. He, 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 gets to, he gets to put me in the pen that he wants me in. I follow him. Amen? The Lord is my shepherd. I sh Come on, when the Lord is your shepherd, you will not want. If you find yourself in want, one of the things you need to check on is the Lord my shepherd. Because if the Lord is your shepherd, he will lead you out of that want. The Bible says this, that he gives you the desires of your heart. But if you've got to delight yourself in the Lord first, and then he gives you the desires of your heart. I'm telling you, when the Lord is your shepherd, you will not want. If you're wanting in any area, check on, is the Lord the shepherd of my life in that area? Verse 2. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes, he what? He makes me. Well, have you ever seen any unruly sheep? Yeah, there's a few of them. But he has a pasture for you to lie down in. And he I won't, yeah. He leads me beside still waters. In other words, the Lord has a plan for me. What is the pasture for? To feed me. He knows what you need. And right now, you got to be very careful what you're feeding on. Right now, you got to be very careful what you're feeding on. Even if it comes from a preacher. you got to be careful. It's the Word. If it's good food for you now, it'll encourage you. It'll strengthen you. It'll leave you in peace. It'll cause you to have joy. Right? It's good food. You need to be nourished right now. You need to be nourished right now. You need to get a word in due season. Come on, hallelujah. The Lord, has, he'll make you to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides what? Still waters. He restores my soul. My mind, my will, and my emotion, he restores it like you would a car like you would a house, but your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions have been messed up because you live in this earth, but he'll restore it. He'll put it back to the way it was supposed to be. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In other words, I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, but he leads me in path that will fulfill that righteousness and all that righteousness has and is and prepares for me. He's going to lead me in it for his name's sake. Glory to God. Verse 4. Yay! Though I walk through the valley. Now, we can, now listen to me. The Bible doesn't say, yea, though I camp and live in the valley of the shadow of death. But there is a valley of the shadow of death. And you just got to keep on walking. 
Come on, he, he, in order to get to your pasture, in order to get to the water, you, life is life. I don't know in our circles sometimes they think, well, if you obey God and you do everything just right, you'll never have any tough places to walk through. There's nothing in the word of God that promises that. But there is a promise that will deliver you out of all your troubles. Amen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it looks like dying all around me. Hallelujah. But it's not going to come near me. A thousand may fall on my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it'll not approach me. Why? Because I abide under the very shadow of the Almighty. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I will fear no evil. Listen, when you're afraid, you're not letting the Lord be your shepherd. When you're afraid of something, what, do you, what, what is fear? Whether it's rational or irrational, fear is you, you fear the, a bad outcome. When the Lord is your shepherd, he said, you don't have to fear any evil. Everybody say, I'm not afraid. Why? Because he's with me. He's not only with me, he's in me. And he's not only in me, he's for me. Your rod and your staff, the word of God, sometimes it's corrective, sometimes it leads. The rod will poke you upside the head, get you back in line. The staff, he'll, but, but thank God for the word of God. You know, really, we don't, it's not my job to correct you. The word's good. It's the word's job to correct you. Amen. Hallelujah. That reminds me, yes, Lord, I'll deal with it right now. This, is, this has nothing to do with what I preached to you today. I'm going to clean something up from a couple Sundays ago. I talked about eternal life. I said eternal life begins in the womb. The, the scripture often talks about eternal life after you're born again. So I was just using a phrase, and, I, you know, most of you may not care, but if someone was listening, but I do need to clean it up. Eternal life, the God kind of eternal life begins only when you're born again. When I was saying when you're in your mother's womb, when God knows you, you're alive. <laughs> and you're going to live somewhere forever. So I said that was eternal life. But really the God, the scriptural way. It's interesting. Just like I brought up correction. And I was telling you, when I said that, the Lord said, eh, not quite. So we've got we to watch what we're saying. And you know what? But you've got to trust that if the Lord will correct me on that, you've got to trust that he'll correct you. He'll guide you. There's no spirit of correction. I see some people in the word in, uh, on, um, online sometimes or these ministries that they pride themselves of being the correctors in chief. There is no ministry called corrector in chief. All they are is critical. You don't want to sit in the seat of the scornful. You know, like, it's like songs being written. There's some people that I really love that, I mean, they're getting tore up uh, because, uh, you know, this is unscriptural. This is, well, if you don't like the song, don't sing it. Turn it off. Uh, nobody made th that person the, the corrector for everybody. But I'm telling you, if you listen, the Holy Ghost will adjust you. And there's a little thing. I think most of you understood where I'm coming from. But if there's one person that messed up, that's what, so, but I'm bringing it up, the Lord corrects us. He guides us. Sometimes we need a rod. Sometimes we need a staff. Is everybody clear about eternal life? When does it begin? According to the scripture, it begins when you got born again. But you're going to last forever once someone is conceived in the womb. They're, they're, gonna, they're, they're a person that are going to be somewhere forever. But eternal life, the God kind of eternal life, only begins at the new birth. Amen. And you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to experience eternal life. You start experiencing the moment you're born again. Well, there. Good. We got it all figured out. Hallelujah. Um, I will fear how much evil? Verse 5. You prepare. 
Woo! I remember in 2020 when something happened and every, the whole world shut down. And the Lord said, go to Psalms 23, 5 and tell them that I have prepared for them a four-legged table. And he told us to sit down. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It don't matter what the devil's doing. You sit down. Everything you need is at the table. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Everybody shout, I'm anointed. And my cup is running over. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Verse 6, surely, goodness. Come on, everybody say, surely. surely. <laughs> I was going to say, turn to your neighbor and say, it's a matter of fact, Jack, but don't do that. Hallelujah. It is a matter of truth that goodness and mercy will follow you. As you but you've got to follow the good shepherd. If you're not following the good shepherd, goodness and mercy are not going to follow you. This, goodness and mercy can only follow you as you follow the good shepherd. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Goodness and mercy can, you can be in. Goodness. What is it? All right. Hallelujah. Goodness. Yeah, yeah. There's somebody right now, the healing power of God is working on an organ on the inside of your heart. It's not been functioning right now. Just right now, right now. We've been believing God for divine interruptions. We got one right now. I'm just telling you right now. If you're having trouble with an organ functioning in your body, uh, whether it be a, a kidney, whether it be a kidney, whether it be a kidney, I guess it be a kidney. Hallelujah. Um, I speak to it now in the name of Jesus. And I say the power of God is working in your body. Hallelujah. This is part of surely goodness and mercy will follow you. This is a part of Jesus. Hallelujah. He is your healer. By his stripes you were here. He is healed. He is a good shepherd. I speak to that in the name of Jesus. And I demand you function in Jesus' name. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Come on, it's good to be healed. Amen. Healing is a mercy of God. He's the father of mercies. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Well, I want to finish up with this. Glory to God. Let's go back here and look at Psalms 23, 2 and 3. Let's, let's, let's hone down on it. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. He leads me. Uh, besides still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He leads me. One of the great things about a shepherd is the shepherd is out front of the sheep, leading them and guiding them. And I want you to turn to John's gospel, chapter 10. Now, if you've been around my ministry any length of time, you know one of the things I love to teach and preach on is being led by the Spirit of God. Um, I believe it's one of the most important messages for the hour we live in. Can I have you, do you know the old song, I Surrender All? Yeah, I'll do that one. Hallelujah. When, um, um, when we're going through life, the Lord wants to lead you. And in John 10, 3, 4, and 5, I usually pull it out, and it's good to teach about with Romans 8, 14. As sons of God, we're led by the Spirit of God. But let's think about Jesus the shepherd. The shepherd has a voice that the, that the sheep follow. And they follow him. They, he leads them through the valley of the shadow of death. He leads them to green pasture. He leads them to still water. He's leading them. He's guiding them. And so here in John chapter 10, 
It's talking about Jesus leading as a shepherd. Verse 1, John 10, 1, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs in some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that comes in through the door is the shepherd of the sheep. One of the things, Jesus is the door, and he is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice. Jesus is your good shepherd, and you hear his voice. Now, a lot of times when people get born again, they tell people, now you got to wait because it's going to take you time to learn the voice of God. I don't agree with that, and it puts everything off into the future. Let's just stick with the word. The word promises you this as a sheep. When did you come into sheepdom? The moment you got born again. Everybody say, I am a sheep. Are you born again? Are you washed in the blood? then you are a sheep. When did you become a sheep? The moment you got born again. You didn't know the benefits of your sheepdom, but you didn't know that you got a shepherd that was going to watch over you and protect you and heal you and provide for you and lead you. But he said he would. He said to him, the porter opens, the sheep hear his voice. So I want you to boldly confess this. Because I am his sheep, I hear his voice. Now, I'm not talking about hearing voices out here. Where does he live? He lives in here. And a lot of times his voice is just a knowing. Sometimes it's stronger, the voice of your spirit. He's talked to your spirit. Or sometimes it's his voice. So I'm not telling you to seek voice. Don't seek voices because you'll get accommodated. But you don't have to seek a voice. Lord, I need you to talk to me. He said, I'm your shepherd. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to lead you. To him the porter opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by... Aren't you glad he knows your name? Aren't you glad he knows your name? And he does what? He leads them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. Why? I can follow him anywhere. Why? Because I know his voice. Everybody say it again. I am his sheep. I know his voice. Verse 5, and a stranger. So you don't have to be concerned. You know the voice of your good shepherd, and you know the voice of a stranger. You're coming into a time. Listen to me. Listen to the Holy Ghost. You're coming into a time, and now is, that you're going to have to be very discerning of the voices that you hear. For everyone that says they speak in my name does not speak for me. And there will be judgment that comes upon those who say they speak for me and do not. But you must be ever discerning and ever listening. And I'm telling you that my voice, even through others, will be very clear. It'll be clarion. And you will know my voice. You will know if it's me or not because you are my sheep and you know my voice. Amen. Amen. Everybody say, I'm not going to follow a stranger. See, when I hear something, it, it's strange to me. It doesn't sound like, I'm not talking King James. I'm not talking thee and thou. I'm talking when I hear something, even from other people, it's got to set with me. Man, Lord, when I first got born again, I was a little 
denominational kid, got filled with the Holy Ghost. Um, I tell this story. Uh, there was a woman that was preaching. I, I, you know, I remember I crossed some line. I shook in my cowboy boots for 45 minutes. I got changed. Well, she came back to that church a few months later. And because in my mind, she was the one that got me to Jesus, I drove two hours to hear her preach. And when I was in there, she was preaching now a whole different subject, which I found out later was her main subject. But I was sitting there, and she began to talk about some stuff. And on the end, and the pastor and everybody were going, yes, amen. Yes, amen. She was talking about how everything's a demon. you got to figure out its name. You know, you got to do this. you got to do that. Uh, it was all old covenant, and plus a bit, little bit of, uh, you know, modern new age stuff is all mixed together. It wasn't the word at all. She was preaching out of a book instead of the book. And I was sitting there, and I barely was knowing anything. Except on the inside of me, something said, this ain't right. And the pastor was yelling amen, and all the people were yelling amen, and they were talking about horse demons and this demon. And I mean, it was the weirdest thing in the world, and everybody was saying amen. And yet I was sitting there, and something on the inside of me, now I know it's the teacher, the Holy Ghost, the shepherd, it's like, uh-uh, no. Man, I was, I was a baby. I was a baby, but I knew his voice because I'd been praying in the Holy Ghost. I've been reading the word and it didn't set, even though everybody else, so I was confused. So I went home and called somebody that was there, the only person I knew that, and I didn't know anything about, but I called this man up and his name was Don. And I said, Don, I, I, I'm sorry if I'm wrong, but something didn't set well. And it's like, was that woman right? And he said, good Lord. It's like a baby Christian could know that that wasn't even the word. Oh man, that little church was in a revival and it all stopped because of error. It all stopped. People were getting filled with the Holy Ghost left and right. Teenagers, why not have 40, 50 teenagers filled with the Holy Ghost? It all stopped because of error. Why am I telling you that? The good, sh I didn't know anything. That had nothing to do with Noah had a boat and let the words of my mouth. It had nothing to do with what I knew. I just knew the good, I was starting to get acquainted with the good shepherd. And I didn't, in that night, if I'd have went with the crowd, 90% of them were going to yes, amen, yes, amen. I'm telling you, there's protection in the hour you live in. Now, don't be critical. We're not going to all say this. Preaching is an art. <laughs> it's not a science. And everybody doesn't say everything all right all the time. But you need to be like the Bereans and check the Word of God daily. And, you know, hopefully around Cornerstone, you're grown up enough to do what my spiritual father said, eat the straw, spit out the sticks. I'm promising, I'm trying not to give you any sticks. But there's some sticks out there. And you need to be careful because the stick will choke you. But we can be led by the Spirit of God. Come on. The shepherd wants to keep you out of trouble. He wants to keep you out of a wreck on 565. He, he wants to keep you out of a, a, out of a Walmart when someone's going to do something stupid. Right? He, he, wants to, he, he, wants to keep, put you, he wants to put you in the right place at the right time when a good business deal is coming. Amen. He'll, he'll put you in the right place at the right time when a good deal is coming on something. 
Thank the Lord. He's good. But one of the things you got to do, as I had Doppo play this, is you got to live a surrendered life. I surrender to my good shepherd. I follow him. My life is not my own. And when you follow him, you submit to him, and he can lead you into the green pastures. He leads you to still waters. He'll walk you through the valley of the shadow of death. And you don't have to fear any evil when you have a good shepherd. Now, Pastor Ron and I pledge to you and our staff, we'll do our best to be good under shepherds to you. But you all have a chief shepherd, and he'll never let you down. 